You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. I haven't spoken to my next guest for many, many months, and I'm just about to rectify that appalling situation. His name is Garth McKenzie. He's from Traders Corner, the uh, owner and starter of that very fine website, traderscorner.co.za. And Garth, I saw your tweets this morning, and you were talking about numbers that we couldn't have imagined 16, 17 months ago on the RAND. I mean, you were talking about it maybe going between 11 and 12. Do you really believe that? Because that makes me really nervous. Yeah, hi, Lindsay. It's good to good to chat to you again. Thank you. Um, no, so just to correct that, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to 11 or 12. I, okay. I don't know. I really don't know if it will go there. What I said in my tweet storm or my thread that I put out this morning is that yeah. I'm seeing a lot of calls for the RAND to go to 12 or 11. And what I said in the tweet is that at times like these where, you, where the RAND moves to an extreme, you always get these sort of outlandish predictions being made. And it's, 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 I mean, I've seen this time and time again. If, if you go back to April last year when the rand was 19 rand to the dollar and everyone was panicking, at that stage you had people predicting that it was going to go to 23 to the dollar. And, of course, that didn't happen. And I, and I remember last year at that stage putting out a tweet and, and some analysis, some quants analysis basically saying, look, when the rand is this oversold, it's unlikely to get any weaker. It's probably going to go stronger. And, and that's exactly what it's done over the last 12 to 18 months, as, as you've mentioned. Um, now we sit at the opposite end of the extreme, where the rand is 13 rand 50 to the dollar. It's, it's recovered you know, 30% or more from those levels where it was in April last year. And it's, it's, it really is on a tear. I mean, it's, it's incredibly strong at the moment. But now you've got people on the opposite end of the spectrum saying, oh, now we think it's going to go to 12 or 11 rand to the dollar. And you, I just was trying to temper that and say, well, you know, look at the statistics. Just let's, let's look at this rand and how it trades. Look at a 50-week moving average as a sort of a mean, if you will, and, and look how it oscillates around that. And at no point in the last decade, even the, more than the last decade, has the RAND been as far removed from the 50-week moving average as it is right now? So it's at an extremely strong level. So wait, before you go on, I mean, you, you, you look at fundamentals, obviously, because it's part of your daily life. You trade for yourself, you trade for clients, and you trade for charity. But when somebody says, when it's at 1935, which it was on April the 23rd, I think it, uh, it was, was the precise date, everyone's saying it's going to go to 25 to 30 to the US dollar. How far above the 50-week moving average was it? And how far below the 50-week moving average is it now at 1350, 1360? Because as you say, it always reverts to that mean. Yeah, it does always revert to the mean. Look, at that stage, it, it was um, about... I think it was about 15, 15 or twenty percent above the fifty-week moving average at yeah. that stage. Um, whereas now, where we sit at the moment, it's now fifteen percent below the the fifty-week moving average. Okay. Um, you know, so it's a, it's a massive extreme, and 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 this is the point. You know, that I think people suffer from a, a recency bias. And they think, oh well, because the rand has been strong for for twelve months now, and it's just been continually strengthening that that's just going to carry on and you just draw a straight line into the future and it's not the case it it, it these things do mean revert and the rand at this level i think is it's extremely strong I'm, I'm not saying it might not go a little bit stronger it might but i'm i'm just saying that i think right now this is a time where if you want to be diversifying your money offshore 
you should be doing it now because yes. you know yes maybe it goes stronger but hell it, you know it's a lot better now than it was six months or 12 months ago and what what so often happens with with particularly the retail public is they don't do anything and then suddenly when the rand weakens and it blows out that's when then they do panics and says oh now we need to get our money offshore because things are falling apart that's not the time to do it the, the time to send your money offshore if you really want to try and time it is to do it when the rand is strong and the rand is strong at the moment and this to me seems like a pretty good time to be exporting money if you're wanting offshore exposure. I agree with you entirely you may get it wrong for the next 10-15% but in the long term you will be right but I would say one thing and I know you're more of a technician than a fundamentalist as I said earlier on but on the other hand you've got a perfect storm in reverse I don't know what the, what the opposite of a perfect storm is or a perfect dawn let's call it a perfect dawn for the rand uh, you've got a weaker US dollar number one you've got commodity prices uh, going through the roof and showing no sign of abating I mean I'm looking at the crude oil price now at above $71 the Brent crude oil price above 71 having been 15 uh, just a year or so ago um, all those things happening you've got a pandemic which is not under control, but certainly has been reined in uh, by South Africa and other jurisdictions, and also economic growth picking up. I mean, the PMI data that came out this, this week and on June the 1st are pretty good for South Africa, well above 50. Uh, GDP projections are fairly favourable. Unemployment, of course, is still horrific. But uh, on the other hand, there are a few factors that are in the RAND's favour. As I said, you're a technician. You put the CRB index, the Commodity Research Bureau index, against the RAND, there's a perfect correlation Garth, between the two. So as long as commodity prices still keep going up, so will the RAND. Do you agree with me? Uh, yeah, that's right. There's definitely a close correlation between commodity prices, and particularly in the industrial commodities um, and, and the RAND. That, that there is no doubt. Um, but I think what one's also got to keep in mind now is we know all of this. The stuff that you've just mentioned is, is no secret. We know that the commodities are strong and whatever, but also, do keep in mind that a lot of what's driven this um, commodities rally has been speculative, because there's been easy money, so much uh, liquidity pumped into the into the markets, particularly by the Fed. Um, this has been quite a speculative uh, boom in in the commodities, and you do question whether that's sustainable for the long term. You know, you've got China deleveraging now, so China's uh, consumption of commodities is probably waning somewhat. The U.S., there's talk of, of an infrastructure boom there as well, um, which still needs to come. But I just think a lot of it, this commodities super cycle that everybody talks about, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced of that. Uh, I think that the, lands, the landscape for a commodity super cycle is not quite like it was back in the middle 2000s when we saw really strong commodity markets there. Uh, again, I so, think there's a perfect dawn for commodities. I mean, the morning has broken in the commodities market, both on the supply and the demand side. On the demand side, people have had to restock. And that's, that's one of the reasons that they've gone shooting through the roof. But also excess demand because of the global economic recovery. That has also been a factor. So you, you've got uh, restocking 
and genuine demand, uh, plus speculation. But on the other hand, supply. People haven't invested in commodities for ages. Uh, they've all been sitting mm. at home like we have. I mean, metaphorically speaking, sitting at home doing absolutely nothing. And it'll take two or three years, I think, for new mines to come online. And, for example, the shale industry in the United States to switch the spigots back on again. So it's, um, it, it, I think it's got, a, I think it's got a, a, a few more legs up before people start to say, wait a second. And I think you'll see the stocks themselves leading the commodity prices down. But I don't think quite yet. And I love it when the Chinese say, as I've said this on many occasions in the last couple of weeks, I love it when the Chinese say we want to rein in speculation because we don't want commodity prices to go up because they know they are going to go up. They just want to slow down the momentum. Again, my um, personal analysis. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I mean, let's see. I, I just think that from a from and going back to my analysis on the RAND is what I was saying is yeah. is really it's it's at an extremely strong level now. Yes, it might go stronger. Not denying that, but I just the the, the whole point of my tweet storm this morning really was to just say I, I, at these sort of strong levels, this is the type of area where. You know, if you're expecting the rand to go substantially stronger, I'm not convinced of that. Maybe it goes a bit stronger, but you know, what's the next move? It's with 1350 now. Is is it going to 12 first, or is it going to 15 first? Um, and, well, and I would probably be in the camp that says I think it'll go to 15 first before it gets to 12. I may be wrong. But that's that's my take on it. And have a look at um, have a look at the differential between. I mean, it was always in the old days. Everyone said, well, you know, every single year the rand should depreciate something like six percent against the U.S. dollar. But if you look at the inflation rate in the United States of America, the last print was four point two percent for CPI. That's consumer price index. And you look at the South African level; it's exactly the same. So why should the rand weaken? There's a there's not an inflation differential anymore. Okay, the economic differentials are well known and don't need to be described here. But on the other hand, something has changed and we sh I don't think we can guarantee that 6% long-term mean weakening. Do you agree? Yeah, that, that possibly is a fair point. I think you've also got to just look at the US inflation and say, well, what, what's the view on US inflation? Is it, um, is it going to just be transitory, as Jay Powell and the Fed uh, seems to think? Yeah. Um, or is it going to be a case that once the inflation genie is out of the bottle, it's going to be very difficult to put it back inside? And I think we'll have to wait and see what that, how that um, plays itself out. If this inflation situation in the U.S. is just transitory, then you know, maybe you'll see that inflation differential open up again between South Africa and the U.S., but that we'll only know in, in time to come. Well, the market knows and J-PAL knows and uh, we're just speculating, but I think it's been a good speculation. What are you doing at the moment for traderscorner.co.za? And first of all, when it comes to that particular institution and that website, are you still trading on behalf of charities and giving your money that you make to charity? Is that the, still the same yeah. model? Um, it's it's not the same model in that respect. Um, the, the, t the charity was part of what I was doing for TV when I had my uh, Traders Corner TV show on Business Day TV, yes. and that ended when I when I left South Africa in um, in August of 2019. So I, I stopped that at that point. But I still run my traderscorner.co.za website. Um, I've still got a bunch of South African clients that I'm servicing there and providing analysis for. And I'm still trading the South African market. Um, and I'm more and more trading the offshore markets as well. 
and that sort of ultimately is is a, for me personally is going to be a bigger focus going forward. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the general traders corner business, still running, still providing analysis, still publishing every day on my website on traderscorner.co.za. And um, when it comes to the education side of things that I was doing before, I'm, I've developed an online course now. So that that course is available to take online from anywhere in the world and, and at um, your own speed and your own pace, if you want to. And there's information about that in, on traderscorner.co.za as well. What I really want, I mean, all this has been a preamble for you to give us your wisdom. What are you doing at the moment? How are you positioned? Well, I mean, at the moment, um, I'm, I'm still quite cash heavy from a longer term trading perspective. And then the shorter term stuff that I'm doing, um, yeah, I'm, I'm long a little bit of sappy at the moment based on a, on a, a big broker upgrade that came out last week. And the technical setup there is somewhat interesting, I think. Um, and then offshore, yeah, I'm, I'm in GDX, that's the gold um, gold ETF, because that's moving up quite nicely. They've got a good technical structure, and with gold gradually climbing, that looks good. Yeah. Um, I'm along the silver ETF in, in the US, and I've also been having a close look at Tencent Music Entertainment uh, offshore, which is listed in New York, and that's um, effectively that's a joint venture between Tencent and Spotify, and they run um, podcasts and audio uh, music streaming, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Very exciting business, over 800 million customers. Gosh. Um, and that's been smashed up recently on the back of that Archegos fund that collapsed. And, it, and, and Tencent Music is one of the stocks that was heavily owned by, the, by that fund. And so it was forced liquidation, in other words, and that's why it came down so much. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, it was a forced liquidation. So shares have fallen about 50% from their recent high. Mm. Um, but fundamentally, nothing really has changed from what I can see. And, and that, to me, looks like an interesting opportunity. And look, the stock looks like it's basing now. So I've been buying into that because that, I think, looks quite interesting on a medium-term view. Um, wait, wait, just before we get on to your, your next points, what do you think about the, the Robin Hood Brigade? Because, obviously, what was that GameStop? That was the one that really caught the eye and became mainstream media fodder. And, and now I was watching the BBC in the early hours of this morning and it said uh, a company called, is it AMC or AMX? Anyway, it's a cinema yeah. chain. It's gone yeah. up 3,000% in a year, yep. which is yep. <laughs> and it's went, and it doubled yesterday. And the reason it's done that is because the clever people, uh, the Robin Hood muggers, modern-day highwaymen, have said, right, I'm having a look at the, uh, the statistics here, and the hedge fund managers and the asset managers are short of this thing, so we're going to squeeze them out. And they so they put it out on the Internet, and away they go, and people have to cover their short positions. So they've made 100% in a day. What do you think about this? Do you think it's the free market, or do you think it's morally reprehensible from a financial point of view? I mean, <laughs> it's it's something we've never seen before. But to my mind, I just kind of I seem to think that there's a flaw in the in the mechanism of the market there. In that, in some cases, you've had these stocks where the short interest is, is more than a hundred percent of the shares in issue. Yeah, I know that was the case with GameStop previously. Now, how does that work? How is it possible that there can be more short interest in a stock than what shares are actually in issue? And to me, that's a, that is a, a, a fundamental flaw in the market mechanism. You know, if, a, if a stock has been lent out to somebody, let's say I own the stock and I, you decide you want to go short, so you then borrow the shares from me. 
Now, those shares are borrowed. You can't then go and um, it, 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 you'll, you'll sell them into the market, but then whoever buys them from you can't then go and lend those same shares out again. No. Now, those shares need to be flagged as, as having been lent out. Otherwise, what you're effectively doing is creating like a multiplier effect of shares in issue that shouldn't be there. And I mean, I know on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, that sort of thing is not possible because the mechanisms don't allow for it to happen. But in the States, it seems it is possible that you can actually end up with a situation where the short interest in a stock is more than the number of shares in issue of that company. And this, this is, is not a derivative product. This is actually the physical shares you're talking about here. Yeah, this is not, some e- is not some ETF that has been shorted and there's a huge gearing. I mean, if you look at the cryptocurrencies, sometimes you can get uh, up to a thousand, a thousand times gearing in order to get into one of these uh, currencies that I don't understand. But uh, So you're saying this is a physical a physical stock situation rather than a derivative situation. It's the way I understand it, mm. and, I, and I may be wrong, but that's what's basically allowed these unbelievable short squeezes to happen. Yeah. Because as you say, I mean, GameStop is a—it's—it's it's like an old-fashioned, um, you know, TV game company with a physical presence. It's so outdated, and the, and hence why the hedge funds were short of this thing because it, it's a dying business model. <laughs> and and similar with AMC of the movie theaters, likewise, you know, it's an outdated business model. And and so hence, you can understand the fundamental argument as to why these hedge funds are short the companies. But then you get the, the Robin Hood brigade and the Reddit crowd and uh, Wall Street bets and these that come along and, and effectively like a you know pack of wild dogs go and uh, in essence, they're ganging up on the shorts and the hedge funds and, and squeezing them out. Um you know, and good on them for spotting the opportunity and taking advantage of taking it. Taking advantage of a loophole uh, in the market, exactly. Yeah, but but to me, that that there's something wrong in the market mechanism that enables that to actually occur, um, and it doesn't, for my mind, it doesn't it doesn't um, engender any trust in the market mechanism, as far as I can tell. Could it be done on the JSC? Could you now have a look? I mean, you you've got a lot of time on your hands. You've always worked from home, but your working from home situation has been amplified over the last year and a bit. So, could you go to the JSC and almost get a commitments of traders report on certain shares and find out who is short and, and who is long, and say uh, to a bunch of people, influential people that you talk to all the time, and say, right, this particular hedge fund is short. Let's attack them. Let's have a go at them. They're short of telecom. Let's get it up to 50 rand a share. I mean, it's gone from 15 to 50. I mean, that sort of thing. Could you do that in South Africa? Look, the, the, the short interest in South Africa is not published in the same way that it is in the U.S. Um, so it's, you, you can't see the total net short um, interest in a stock in the JSE. But what is published from time to time is various script lenders will will say, you know, certain stocks are be finding them difficult to borrow because there's a lot of short art, short interest already out there. Okay. And you can get access to that. But, I, but I, I have no way to go and say, like, I can see that there's X million shares of telecom that are short. I, it, in total, I don't. No, I'm just, so, just, just using, I'm, I'm not being particularly vindictive when it comes to telecom. I'm just using yeah. that as, as an example. But I just wondered if the same sort of Robin Hood mentality could be um, uh, adopted in, in South Africa? And if so, then, <laughs> then please keep I, I me in touch. <laughs> yeah, I think it could. It could to some extent. Um, it, you know, and I, I suppose if one had to take a company like, let's just say, Capitec, and that's one that there's always yes. quite high short interest in that stock. 
and it does squeeze higher from time to time. Um, and I, and I, I guess, you know, if there was a gang of people with enough money to do so, they could probably buy that stock aggressively and try and squeeze shorts out of it. Um, and it, yeah, and in a in a way, I suppose. But I mean, it wouldn't be on the same kind of scale as as the type of gains that you've seen in game stock. It's not going to double overnight, but on the other hand, you might get a five ten percent return. And if you geared up, then absolutely fine. I interrupted yeah. you, but it's been a fascinating chat. But you were you were going to say you've mentioned a silver ETF, a gold ETF. Uh, you've mentioned Sappy. Anything else you're doing? Um, yeah, that's it, really. And I mentioned the ten cent music. Oh, that's right. Yes, of course. That, 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 that's quite exciting. That, that, mm. that, yeah, that looks interesting to me. Um, you know, more than that, a lot of what I do is just fairly short-term technical-based trading. Um, yeah, not big positions, small positions, just looking to try and hit singles here and there based on what I'm seeing in the mainly on the charts, actually, but with some fundamental overlay as well. Um, but yeah, the stuff that I'm t- sort of taking a more medium-term view on right now is the, the, the gold ETF, the silver ETF, both technically look very strong and um, and poised to go higher, I think. And then that, as I said, that 10 cent music entertainment business and listed in the States, to me, it does look like an interesting opportunity from a medium term perspective because it's a, it's a pretty good story there. But the stock has been sold down very heavily on the back of that liquidation of that Arcagos fund. And, and, um, and, and, and I think that ultimately looking, you know, six to 12 months out, there should be quite a meaningful recovery in that share price. It's, it's, it's quite a meaty collaboration, isn't it? I mean, Tencent, hugely successful. Spotify, incredibly successful. And the two of them yeah. coming together. Yeah, it really yeah, does sound like right. a compelling it, argument. It does. And, and 800 million subscribers. It's I mean, a lot like of subscribers, yeah. 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 You can imagine the scale. I can. It's, it's it's actually staggering when you say 800 million. You think, well, how many people are there in the in the world? And um, yeah, it's a huge percentage of the world is is actually subscribing to this service. It's quite mm-hmm. it's, it's quite astonishing. Dare I ask you, after nearly half a year, how your returns are so far? Um, not bad. So in on my uh, account in the JSE last year, I was up about fifty percent for the year. That's staggeringly good. Well done. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was a decent, a decent year. But I mean, also, I always just want to stress that this is not, I'm not doing it with mega money and I'm not, um, this is my own money. It's, I'm not a billionaire. <laughs> no. So if you, if you, if you're trading with, a, you know, a, a few million small um, money like that, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's possible to do those kind of returns. Um, if, if, if I was a, a massive fund manager managing billions and billions, I'd very much doubt I could replicate that kind of performance. Yes, because your universe would shrink immediately because you wouldn't be able to make a meaningful dent in the billions that you were managing. I mean, that's one of the problems, and that's why you have to diversify, I suppose, Garth. Yeah, well, it is. And also, if, you, yeah, if you're trading with a smaller account, you can be a lot more nimble. Mm. So you can get into opportunities quickly and get out quickly, um, and you're not so constrained by liquidity. Um, so it, it's it's a different game. It's a p- completely different ball game, and I just want to stress that you know, don't, never want to sound boastful because um, it's a nice return on a small account, but it's very very difficult for me to replicate that on a on a proper big big account. You've avoided the question very nicely. You said last year you did fifty percent. I was asking you about uh, the near half year performance so far. Are you allowed to tell me? Oh, this year. Yes. Um, yeah, it's about about 20% for this year today, for 2021. 
It's very good because the JSE itself is uh, up 16% uh, or 16.5%, I think it is, as we speak. Uh, so you've outmarketed the market. So well done. Garth McKenzie is from traderscorner.co.za. Fascinating check. Thanks, Garth. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.